This episode contains language that may not be suitable for some people. Listener discretion is advised. Hi, I'm Alan Webb, and I've been with this crazy event called Summonat since it started. In 2020, 33 years later, we've just come out of the Summonat we held while Australia was burning around us. And like the rest of you, we walked straight into the world's topping coronavirus pandemic. During the first couple of weeks of this crisis, Andy Lopez asked me, if I'd like to tell the story of Chick Henry and the Summonat. I asked Cam Sullings, a Canberra journal and presenter, to help me tell what we think is one of the truly great Australian stories. This is what we came up with. What comes to mind when you think of Canberra, Australia's capital city? Maybe the fact that it's a peaceful, calm, pretty place where laws are made. Well, for four special days in January, Canberra becomes the complete opposite of all those things. It becomes a different kind of capital city, the capital city of noise. The capital city of horsepower. The capital city for burnouts, chrome, turbos and blowers. Canberra becomes the capital city of fun, whether it be with your friends or family. Yes, Canberra is home to an event like no other. Canberra is home to the Summonats. Last week, we got an insight on how Chick and a bunch of his loyal but eccentric mates, with help from Street Machine, opened the gates to the very first Summonats. From day one, there was madness, challenges and characters subsections or tribes from various areas of motorsport all gathered at what we now know as Exhibition Park to celebrate all things that they have in common and to have a huge party. Chick was no events guy. He was a novice, but he had charisma, guts and vision. He had a loyal band of supporters and a special way of uniting the motorsports tribes together. So much of this DNA remains in the modern Summonats. The judging activities, the burnouts, elite cars, and so many memories remain that have since become folklore. I'm Cam Sullings, longtime attendee and now presenter at Summonats. Welcome to the podcast, Chick Henry, his Summonat story. Well, it's here once again. We're going to welcome uh, Elder's daughter and Summonat's co-conspirator right from the very earliest day. Angie Henry is back with us. Hello, Ange. Hi, Cam. Street Machine is a name that has had a long association, you know, right back from the very opening moments of Summonat's. How was it received by the top executives? had already had a good reputation from running the earlier Street Machine Nationals. So, you know, he really had himself only there and because he'd gone it alone, you know, especially when Dad went alone and left the association, so to speak, it was massive to them. And, you know, I'm sure Dad felt okay, but for me watching on, that was a bit nerve-wracking. You know, he was taking this massive risk. Like the boys that worked at Street Machine, Dad was just a little guy backing himself. I was only 20 at the time, so it was all very new and exciting to me. I was probably more interested in boys than cars. 
<laughs> so it was cool. And I can look back now on Dad to go, wow, he never lost sight of that vision. doesn't matter what was going on. He always knew. And that was amazing. We first started in Queanbeyan. and Dad said, why don't you come down from Brizzy and help me set things up, you know, do lots of things with me. And I'm like, okay. So we had this old workshop in Queanbeyan. and it was very basic and it was just sometimes we'd work through the night getting everything done with the entries coming through and back those days, you know, it was everything on phone. All the entries had come in through the mail and... Um, yeah, it was it was pretty pretty exciting for the unknown. Chick, how did Street Machine become involved? Well, the, the, it was more to do with as how I became involved with them. Um, the late Jeff Paradise, who I'd met long long time ago when we used to have various runs. I think um, the Chevy Club in Brisbane, um, which I was a member of, had a run to Foster Tungurry. And, uh, and I met Jeff Paradise X, and that's the first time I'd ever come across him. He was a real cheeky bugger, and he, he got a job, told um, Kerry Packer that, that Kerry Packer ought to employ him, and he ought to put together this magazine called Street Machine. And Kerry Packer uh, thought, okay, if you're so goddamn clever, go and do it, but you're going to be in heaps of trouble if it fails, or words to that effect. So Jeff did that, and it became successful. Well, when Jeff knew the sort of things that I was up to, he said to me um, that he wanted to introduce me to, because he was the first editor, and then the next editor was Phil Scott, and he introduced me to Phil and recommended to Phil that Phil spend some time with me um, with regards to, you know, what I was capable of doing as far as events go. And it was Phil on my case, and, and everybody else saying, you know, well, do, why don't you run it? We'll, we'll back you. So that's how it sort of came about. So it was a very, very big deal. And I, I had no knowledge of that sort of stuff. I mean, obviously, I knew magazine editors to promote this and get involved in this stream machine scene as indifferent to the hot rod scene. And it was growing and growing and growing, you know, like, there were always people with hotted up EHs and FJs and now we're starting to see cool-looking Falcons and then there's the American element. It was a huge market for them to be able to focus a magazine on. And I think Street Machine, in actual fact, uh, I, I hope I'm not wrong when I say this, but I know I'm not far off, um, uh, off the mark. There was a time when Street Machine magazine sales were bigger than Women's Weekly. Chick, take us through the planning process of Summonats 1. How did it all come together? Well, mate, the actual program wasn't particularly unique because in actual fact, it was how uh, we ran the Street Machine National. So really, that part of the foundation was easy. It was just a matter of enhancing every aspect of it, I guess. To be able to put on the first summonats, you know, stick them a neck out in so many ways, not just financially. We'd built the burnout track and we built the burnout track in a way that, you know, no one else had ever had anything like a dedicated burnout track at all. And when we designed the burnout pad part of it, we were constrained by space because that area there where the burnout track was, um, that actually was a water course so we can only do it a certain size and then we had to consider the nearness of the crowd and everything. So then because now I had very, very strict 
contracts in place, I guess, not just with Street Machine, but with Natex, which was, you know, Exhibition Park now. There was insurance and that sort of stuff that had to be put in place. And fortunately, I had Rudy Vandenberg, you know, with his legal mind helping me through what would have otherwise been a minefield. But in actual fact, my overall vision never really wavered. I didn't have to worry too much about the overall program because, as I said, it was really only a continuation of what we did at the National. What I had to promote, of course, were the special features like Rick Dobberton's J2000 coming from the States and and the raffle car that I had was the, the Walkinshaw Commodore, which needed their own independent promotion, I guess. I had the might of Street Machine magazine behind me as a huge marketing tool, but nevertheless, there was a lot of conversation that had to be had. It wasn't just conversation from that big picture marketing point of view. It was with people like Owen and the people that were going to be involved in the judging and the driving events for me. In the past, it had just been people like enthusiasts. They're people no different to me, like when I, I put my enthusiast hat on it. I was just a dude that just loved high-performance cars. And there was all of these other people around me, and I had to rely on them so much to sort of help me out where they could. So I'd bugger all money to pay anybody, of course. By then, I was, what they say, in for a penny, in for a pound. Man, I was so deep into the whole thing, there was no going back. Want to get your hands on the latest Street Machine Summonate's official merch? We're proud to announce the launch of our brand new online merch store that's packed with awesome gear. There's t-shirts, hoodies, beanies, bar mats and more from your favourite past events. We've even remade the original Summonate's 1 t-shirts. Classic! Grab any piece of merch for a limited time and you'll score a bonus bit of merch completely free. It's only while stocks last and some items will sell out. So head to summonats.com.au now. So, Chick, you you had bugger all experience, bugger all money. What were some of the things went wrong for you? I I guess in the overall event, you know, let's just say through a a serious entrance point of view, probably very little went wrong. The biggest thing of all was just the overwhelming cost, the cost to bring Rick Dobberton's um, J2000 out from the States. It was a horror story. And then, you know, with the Walkinshaw... I never got that car at the Summonats, and even when I did get it, it was still number two. They promised me number one. I had to organise quite a sizable security force, which I had to have. I mean, Street Machine put a huge amount of pressure on me, quite right, because it was their name that was going to be at risk. And I had Rudy telling me how many millions of dollars I was going to make, and, man, I was so deep into the finances of it all, like it was too late. I couldn't lay awake at night thinking about it. I had too many other things to to think about. It was a a massive undertaking for one person. So you've mentioned Rudy a couple of times. Uh, You mentioned the security there. Uh, Also Bill Giles and and Ron Wheeling. You had some really key people around you, didn't you? I did, and, and I sure as hell needed them. I mean, I'd worked as a scrutineer at the Drags at Surface Paradise Raceway, and that's where I first met Ronnie, and, and he was chief scrutineer there. So when it came to overseeing the scrutineering, I knew I had the right man to, to keep an eye on it. But he also was uh, one of the main uh, organisers 
during the drag racing into various classes and different things that he did. And he worked so closely with John Domper Winterburn. These were guys who, who I admired greatly for their, their ability to organise people. I met Bill Giles through hot rodding, um, through mutual friends in Queensland, and Bill had a very, very focused opinion about how cars and hot rods could be built, and he, he had wonderful uh, engineering skills, and so he was going to be there. One of his good friends who I met, which is Kit Lachlan, Kit, Kit had an unbelievable number of skills. You know, he was a, a martial arts specialist. He specialised in um, shiatsu massage and on and on and on, and a very, very focused guy. So he was able to help me out on that security side of things. And one of their other friends, Greg Lachlan, Kit's brother, um, he was very focused on financial side of things. So in those three, I had three very, very capable people who lived here in Canberra who I could have lots of valuable conversation with behind a lot of that, not just with Rudy and Jack Pappas and other people like Archie Siramokos and, and other lawyers. I, I'd built this friendly association with legal people who gave me the knowledge that I needed to write letters in a particular way and understand the legal ramifications of, of all sorts of things. And Rudy was sitting behind me and in overseeing a lot of that. I mean, he played an unbelievably big part in keeping me, I suppose, somewhat on steady ground, as did the other guys. The freight train was running. Yeah. It was full tilt. <laughs> Once on the rails, <laughs> and nothing was going to stop it. <laughs> so we've got the burnout track laid. We've got the right people in the right positions, Ron, Bill, Kit. We've got Rudy and Jack kicking around in the background, street machines in. It comes time to open the gates to summon at one. What were you thinking? I guess I was so busy, but in the back of my mind, I was saying, oh, Jesus, I hope they come. <laughs> you know, um, by then, I guess I had a bit of a, a feel through the scene, there was enough information out there for me to believe that it was going to be okay. I mean, it's only okay when you count the last dollar. Yeah. It's only okay. I had some massive outlays. The cost of Natex was pretty high. Of course it was going to be. The cost of paying for that bloody um, uh, Walkinshaw Commodore, I think it was something like 43000 or something. Oh, yeah, yeah. And I never made a dollar. No. I, I, I never sold enough tickets. No. The cost of the burnout track, the cost of the security company that I had to engage, there was massive costs that I had. It was a huge, huge financial nightmare. But, it, but it's to, you, you know, I'd already committed. There we go. But it was a pretty good crowd for the very first event. I think we had just under you know 500 entrants. I think we got about 52,000 people through the gate over the four days. Considering what the nationals had been like in you know, in previous years, it was a massive success, and it, and it, enough of a success to say everything I hoped for came to fruition. 
Street Machine Summonats 34 is set to be one of the biggest horsepower parties Canberra has ever seen. Tickets are selling fast and discount entries are now open for a limited time via the website. And that's also where you'll find our brand new range of official Street Machine Summonats merch. Entrant and Platinum Passes will sell out very soon, so head to summonats.com.au to lock in your spot today. We heard from Owen Webb in episode one, and we're going to hear from Owen quite a bit through Chick's story. He's been around from the very start. He and Chick wrote the rule book for elite car judging, and as you would imagine, they have a unique bond. Yeah, look, he's an in, in, incredible guy, Chick Henry, and I, I started this the first year I was an entrant, and then straight away he um, approached me to be a judge, and then I went on to be Chief Steward for many, many years, and formed a great friendship and, and to this day, but uh, he's just the most incredibly loyal guy that uh, I've ever really had anything to do with. And yeah, I learned a lot of things from Chick. I'm just proud to say that he's, he's my friend and still is today. Peter Fitzpatrick, or Fitzy, was a six-time grand champion winner in the same FC Holden, but rebuilt three times. Fitzy also worked as a lead scrutineer at the first few events. He has two boys that have progressed through and unveiled cars at Summer Nats as well. He's also a guy who thinks that the Nats are the best thing you can do in a car with your clothes on. Fitzy, you've been around from the start. What are your earliest Summer Nats memories? I was sort of in charge of scrutineering, me and Ronnie Wheeler. No, Ronnie was cheap and I was sort of the next in line. You get to see everybody that comes to the Summer Nats to start with and uh, over the years and years of the Summer Nats and me doing it, you become friends with a, with a lot of people from all over Australia, which was really great. Could you believe the standard of cars that were rolling in for the first event? Back then days, um, yeah, you can't compare them to these days. They, there was always a thing back then days, and, and Webby would relate to this too, is um, that People hated cars coming in on trailers. They call them trailer queens and all that. And obviously, still a lot of people did trailer them because they weren't economical enough to drive them. But the standard of cars, yeah, that, that was great because it was all the best cars in the country coming to the Summer Nats. Which is the first car that really stood out for you? It probably wasn't the best car because one that always springs to mind is when Victor Bray bought his black 57 down there. He rolled in and this thing had hardly any paint on it. It was black. He looked in the back seat and there was hamburger. There was Coke cans and empty <laughs> hamburger wrappings. Because Victor didn't like throwing them out the window. So he threw them in the back seat. And you could see through the floor. There was rust in the front of it. And you go, and it had this dirty, stinking engine hanging out of it. So it, it probably wasn't the best car, but it one that brings back the memories of things that you see at the summer nap. And that car is iconic in the Australian drag racing and Australian history and burnouts and everything. So he's still got that car. You must have some really fond memories of Chick Henry as well. Yeah, I mean, we go back a, a long time. I, I did meet him in 75. It, um, it first come to life um, when they wanted to run the Street Machine uh, Nationals here in, in Canberra when I sort of put my hand up and said, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll be the Canberra person because they needed someone with a Canberra residence to run the shows here and we put our hand up and I can remember Chick driving down the road in his Chev, in his 63, just puttering down the road and uh, this rattling thing and him and his wife and Andrew were in the car and, and it was a good thing and driving down the road. So that was a fond memory. 
Christine Corkill, or Chrissy, has been there from the first day, scrutineering, packing goodies bags, and she was a long-term burnouts official. Chrissy has been close to Chick throughout the years and never frightened to tell him exactly what she thinks to keep the event on track. What's your earliest memories of Summonats? Well, I've been there since day one. I first met Chick when I was in the Classic Chef Club of Canberra and he had this great idea to have a big horsepower New Year's Eve party. And I thought, oh, yeah, I'll give him a hand. And our club gave him a hand. And um, and then I got roped into Scrutineering, which was a huge, big ledger book with all the entrance names in it. And they'd rock up into the National Tally Room. And that was Scrutineering. All the cars running and the fumes. And anyway, they'd rock up. And then I'd cross their name off. It was a highlighter. And give them their goodies bag that I'd stuffed, you know, the week before. <laughs> And then they got a T-shirt. Then if I knew the person, I'd give them an extra T-shirt. Don't tell Chick No, we won't tell him that. (laughs) And then back in those early days, they got a bottle of port. They'll be given a goodies bag, their bottle of port and their T-shirt, their sticker, and off they went. You knew everyone back in the day and after 32 years, you sort of had that rapport with a lot of them because they were there from day one as well. Just a real sum of that family. Chick definitely uses those terms right throughout the podcast, talking about the Summonats family. Why were the officials and workers so loyal to Chick for so many years, do you think? Well, he just had that personality that you just were drawn to him. Like, he said it how it was. He didn't bullshit about anything. He was just one of those guys that loved life, loved horsepower, loved a good time. And that showed throughout the years that Chick had it that he had that support and that following from so many people because he was just a genuine guy. He'd walk around the summonats, he'd stop and talk to people. So, Chick, once you'd built the burnout track and you stood back and looked at it, could you believe that you actually got it done? <laughs> no, no, well, I don't know. No, not really. I mean, I had to because the Nadex management said, if you're going to run this big event, you've got to now build a dedicated track. Oh, okay, no worries. Who am I going to get to build it? Well, it was a fellow named Bob Bernard who was the main instigator in building the, the, the track in Adelaide and also uh, the rebuilding of Phillip Island. And he overseed the building of the track. The bitumen that went down was the very best bitumen that you could have ever put down because it was the same surface that they used on Formula One track. You know, nobody knew the the implications of car after car after car on a surface. I mean, we knew, you know, you couldn't sit there and just fry your tyres because it'd dig holes in the bitumen. And that was something that we were always mindful of. But it wasn't long, you know, when they dig holes, there were so many cars went on the burnout track that it wasn't long that those little holes got filled up with rubber anyway. So it wasn't a problem into the future. You know, all it was was a... A goddamn blacksmith who'd been a bloody funeral, uh, an undertaker, and I'd been, you know, a sporting dude. And here am I looking at this burnout track going, oh, my God. Chick, we're counting through your top six all-time favourite Summonats memories. What's the memory that stands out as the fifth best for you? Probably um, when we had... um, Victor Bray and Captain Cuzzo there with their door slammers, and that was in the early 
early uh, days of the door slammers. And, you know, and I knew both those guys really well, and I knew what mad buggers they were, <laughs> and I knew what they were capable of doing with their cars. And seeing them out there on the arena doing the driving events in these, you know, like 1,200 horsepower, probably 2,000 horsepower cars, and then a little bit later going along the area that we used to call Lunatic Lane, which was the area between um, the major exhibition pavilion and, and the gate where the Shell service station used to be, side by side, going up through the crowd with those cars going, rap, rap, rap. <laughs> Rap and I, and there's so much power coming out of the zoomies. Yeah, every time they did it, blowing people's hats and caps off. And I thought, oh God, I'm going, I'm going nuts. What the hell am I doing? But it didn't matter. What what happened afterwards? We got away with it. And what did people do? Talked about it for years. <laughs> no worries. Victor, I want you to tell us what's your earliest memory of summon ads. <laughs> The earliest memory I really have of the Solonats is, is the burnout that I did in the old burnout area. I started doing a burnout and I broke a blower bell and I stopped and I just thought, oh, that was the end of it. And then Nicky Applewood, who was there with me at the time, and Nick walked up to the car and, this, and he, he says, oh, sorry, mate, you, there's no more belt. Some guy jumped over the fence and said, oh, I've got a belt that'll fit your car. <laughs> you beauty. <laughs> So uh, we got the belt off him and we chucked it on the car. I did the biggest mother learning you've ever seen in your life. And uh, at the end of the day, what it was, I really didn't know what I was doing. I just put a supercharged V8 small block in your car out of Graham Leeson's dragster. We were in the old burnout area. Burnout, there wasn't really anything, you know. And Mickey, Mickey walked up to the doors and he said to me, he walked up to the window and he said to me, uh, he said, listen, what I want you to do, he said, you just flatten it and if it hits the red light on the sash, just hit second gear and just hold it there until you get to the other end. Right, so I did that and I did this biggest burnout you've ever seen in your life. Victor Bragg, drag racing royalty. But before that, he was the first real character of Summonats. Everyone was looking out for Victor in his Black Betty 57 Chev, either cruising, doing a burnout where he shouldn't have, or out on Northbourne Avenue. Pioneer in the Australian door slammers winning the championship three times. Again, another long-term friend of Chicks, even before Summonats, with the Chev Club of Queensland. <laughs> Planning on being part of the world's wildest car festival but haven't got your entry in? Entries to Street Machine Summonats 34, proudly supported by Rare Spares, are limited to 2,000 and will sell out very soon. With limited entrant passes remaining, some people will miss out. So don't delay. Head to the website and lock in your spot before they're all gone. And we'll see you at Summonats. Lance Corby, director of the hugely successful aftermarket restoration company, Rare Spares. Lance has seen the business and the industry grow substantially on the back of Summonats. Well, Lance, I want you to recall, if you can, your earliest Summonats memory. It was pretty wild for me because I was still quite young at the time and was up there to work for Rare Spares for the first time and yeah, I just couldn't believe what was going on. It was one hell of a party that Chick was putting on, that's for sure. And he certainly has referred to it as a party many, many times. When you went away, what did you tell your buddies about the event? 
Oh, I, I told people that it was a great place to go, just to to go and hang and have a look at some fantastic cars, some burnouts. There was great entertainment of a night time, particularly on the Saturday night, really. Just get up there and, and uh, enjoy the cars. And so how did Chick's vision change the business of rare spares? Chick's always been very close to us. We've been with him for many, many years and grown fantastic friendships. And we evolved in the show over the years to, to where we are today. Chick's encouragement and the freedom that he gave us at Summonats really helped us grow the business through that medium. And you must have met so many people with a passion for older cars over the years. I know when I've walked past the Rare Spares stand up there in the Maguire's Pavilion, it's always jammed. There's always lots of conversations going on with like-minded people. Absolutely. And, you know, it's probably uh, the best platform for us with new product launch and getting it out. The users or our demographic, I suppose, you can do print ads. You can do TV, you can get onto social media, but somebody that gets there and touch, feel, really understands what we're developing because we're constantly developing new products. The likes of the Summonats and other shows that around the Summonats is the perfect platform for that. Owen, I'm sure you've had a lifetime of happy memories. The event has built a culture of good times and mutual respect that now lives way beyond the event itself. What do you most love about Summonats? I absolutely love the cars. I love the full event, like Chick. It's, it's, it's the whole thing, the program is so full, but it is the people. I've, it took me a long time to realise, and the cars are the catalyst, but they're the most fantastic people. Like, this is a family that gets on and absolutely loves each other, and we get together and just really enjoy the time. So, Owen, tell us about all the trips that you took overseas to go and learn and bring the knowledge back and apply it to the events in Canberra. One thing about Chick, um, had a great time at the event, but we also had a great time away from the event, and he really, really loved skiing. We went to California up to Heavenly a couple of times, and I really, really enjoyed it. Can you imagine? We got snowed in for three days into a hotel room with Chick Henry. Oh, God. So that's all I'm saying on yeah. that. What happened in Heavenly stayed in Heavenly, right? No doubt, no doubt. <laughs> it's now, though, I'm going to introduce Simon Telford from Street Machine magazine. Simon Telford, longtime editor of Street Machine, understands the industry and what the event has done for the magazine and the overall industry. Telf is a true street machiner at heart, and we see him at many of the events, including Red Centenats out in the Alice. What are your earliest memories of Summonats? Sitting on North Bourne Avenue with my parents, watching the Super Cruise and just freaking out at the people who were lined up down the down the whole road. They brought couches out, they had stereos pumping ACDC. It blew my mind. And was it you who had to talk your parents into going to it, or did your parents talk you into going to it? Uh, we were already car people, well and truly. Um, we went to all sorts of events, and yeah, we, I think we just moved to Sydney, and Summonats was you know, only a couple of hours up the road, so we yeah. went to check it out. And why do you think the event has stood the test of time? The location is uh, super unique. I'm not sure it would have worked anywhere else in the country. It's kind of the place where all the tribes can gather and people will come from Perth or Tasmania or overseas. Uh, it's got a lot to do with Chick's vision of, you know, taking what we knew, you know, what a nationals was and amplifying it into a, this professional kind of 
show that could attract people who weren't just normal normal car people like like me who would just walk over broken glass to go to a car show any day of the week. He <laughs> knew he had to make it into a real entertainment spectacular to get people to come year after year and bring their families and all that sort of stuff. And what were your your fondest memories of those times? Probably seeing Victor Brace, Chevy, driving around some of that like it was no thing. Like that was a very, very fast street drag car in those days and just seeing that thing cruise around and him having so much fun. Uh, crazy paint and all detail. This thing was just Badass, yeah. you know, Queensland uh, Strathpine back box car and cruising around owning some of is, uh, yeah, definitely a powerful memory for me. Victor, tell us about your friendship with Chick Henry. Well, back in those days, I don't think we had a friendship. I think he hated me. I used to go out the back roads and do big burning outs. I remember one day doing a burning out right up the back straight. Chick grabbed around the pillar of the car. I'm doing a burning out, and he's got his arm around through the pillar of the car, telling me to stop. It was pretty crazy times, but, uh, yeah. And uh, I was just a backyard yobbo, I suppose. Yeah, a cowboy. From the early days, the showcar scene has been a fundamental pillar of the Summonats. It's the event where you go if you want to see world-class showcars and the very best examples of motor car renovation, restoration and modification. Next week, Chick's elite car judging team, led by Owen Webb, wrote the rulebook and in doing so guided two generations of car builders to unveil the best elite cars Australia has ever seen. Want to get your hands on the latest Street Machine Summonate's official merch? We're proud to announce the launch of our brand new online merch store that's packed with awesome gear. There's t-shirts, hoodies, beanies, bar mats and more from your favourite past events. We've even remade the original Summonate's 1 t-shirts. Classic! Grab any piece of merch for a limited time and you'll score a bonus bit of merch completely free. It's only while stocks last and some items will sell out. So head to summonats.com.au now.